Welcome to South Island Hardcore. I'm Jack McInroy. My co-host is Steve Walsh. Hello. And we're at the offices of the Brixton Bugle newspaper, joined by co-editor Tim Dickens. Hi. The Brixton Bugle is a free community newspaper you can pick up from various libraries, supermarkets and pubs. We'll tell you some a full list later on. You can find them on the internet, brixtonblog.com slash bugle, and on Twitter, at brixtonblog. We're at southlandhardcore.com, uh, at SLHC on Twitter, uh, we're on iTunes as well, obviously, over 100 episodes if you want to dig in. Go back to episode 13 for our episode on Brixton. Brixton comes up every few weeks, Steve, doesn't it? Every few minutes. So you'll have to listen to episode. all the episodes. <laughs> yeah, it seems like as a, a sort of publishing pattern you've got, you've got the online thing with yeah. Brixton Blog where you can cover, obviously, tons of stuff. Yeah. Is it a case then of going through things you've covered and picking out things for the paper or is it is it fresh things with raw paper or a mix of both? So it's probably a mix of both, really. Uh, I think Zoe and I would both say that Sorry, Zoe, the co-editor, and I would, would say that the website is our kind of priority in a way. So it's a rolling, ongoing thing. Because that's ongoing, that's, that's how thing, it started, yeah. and I think that's probably the future of it too. Um, but at the same time, uh, I love the paper because I love the newsprint and, and all that and, and, and the build-up to it. Um, so yeah, it's a combination of breaking news and hard news from the previous week or so before we go to print the paper from the website, and also. More the feature stuff at the back, we'll we'll plan that out for the paper and we'll hold that and put it on the paper and then upload it to the website a few days later. What is the uh, history of the blog and the newspaper? Okay, so the Brixton blog is called Brixton blog because it was originally a blog by my um, colleague Zoe who started it about four years ago, four and a half years ago, as a WordPress blog as exactly just that, so stuff happening, I think she'd update it a few times a week. Um, it got bigger and bigger and she, you know, people would help her out, started covering bits and bobs from council and it got quite popular I think um, just because it was a good resource. It, it kind of got very popular after the unrests and riots in 2011 um, because Zoe covered it really, really well and at a time when it was all kicking off and on Twitter and social media, it's like one of the first events where social media mm. could be seen, you know, really was a protagonist in stuff. Well, it was um, beating the news, wasn't it? That it was, was totally really beating the news, news, but a lot of it was rubbish, a lot of it was inaccurate. Yeah, people absolutely. were saying there were, you know, hordes of people... This is on fire, that's on exactly. fire. Exactly. Yeah. But the great thing Zoe was able to do was kind of verify from Twitter, from people that she knew were kind of responsible and reliable, um, and put that up on the blog. And so then that... And then the sort of day after, sort of able to like map it out, and, and that became a kind of trusted, trusted thing through that, really. It's the benefit of being hyper local, isn't it? You're exactly. on the spot, not because yeah. you've been sent there. Exactly. And you're talking to locals and trying to get a read on the place. You live there, so yeah. you know who you should talk to. You're, you're witnessing things yourself, and you know the places that you know things are likely to happen. Yeah, exactly. And then fast forward to October 2011, uh, a couple of months later, where I met Zoe through um, actually through Twitter uh, and, and discovered I was her new neighbour. I just moved into a house over the road. And so we had a cup of tea and I sort of revealed that I'd always wanted to sort of do in Brixton a kind of proper news website. I felt it kind of deserved that. And she kind of said the same. She said, so have I, but I never wanted to do it on my own. So I think about half an hour later, after we'd met for the first time, we'd planned, had this ridiculous plan. I was going to give up my job as a reporter on the Orford Recorder um, to go freelance to be able to do it. Uh, And Zoe was going to sort of, 
maybe go part-time and, and do it as well. Uh, and from that, we just went for it. And then in January, so two or three months later, we relaunched Bricks and Bloggers, bricksandblog.com, sort of hosted uh, using WordPress, but, but hosted elsewhere, um, and sort of thought, right, let's go for it with daily news updates, reviews, features, all that sort of stuff. So in the early days, was it more of a sort of lifestyle community aspect, or was there always a news aspect? There was always a kind of news aspect, in that there was kind of reports from council meetings by Kay Wiggins, who's our brilliant politics editor now, who sort of does stuff. Um, but it was more, it was probably slightly more lifestyle and light-hearted and a collection of stuff about sort of living in Brixton, rather than what I see it now today as a, as a news website and a newspaper, which has kept the name blog, which leads to some confusion, I think, sometimes. But well, I think what, what differentiates you from a lot of similar sort of organisations in London and, and uh, in a wider way as well is the, the news aspect. Mm. It's. It, I think a lot of similar sort of publications do tend to lean too heavily mm. on sort of lifestyle and local restaurants and pubs, uh, whereas yours seems to have a very hard news agenda in terms of social issues and things that affect the local community. Yeah, I think it's easy to tend to sort of lean towards that lifestyle thing, uh, but, um, and I'm not knocking it, and we do it too, to be honest, because we want to kind of offer a balanced kind of offering. Um, but my aim, my personal aim, coming from a background in local newspapers, which I kind of saw as being almost on their last legs in terms of a business model, um, that's what I always wanted to do, was provide a, an open and honest news service for people in Brixton, because it really deserved that, and it wasn't, and I think Zoe and I both felt at that time when we first met, it wasn't getting that for various reasons. Yeah, um, I mean, it is, um, if people have not read it, I mean, it's actual journalism. It's not just, you know, like Steve was saying about leaning towards lifestyle. Another thing these things often yeah. lean towards is just recycled news, yeah. where you just type up a story that's in the South London Press in front yeah. of you, or yeah. just pull things out of national news, which is not necessarily always a bad thing, no. but it's not really contributing, is it? Yeah. Whereas, you know, you pick up the Brixton, uh, you know, got a copy here, uh, the Brixton Bugle, and it's, you know, about budget cuts where... Zoe, Jewel, and Kate Wiggins, uh, Kay Wiggins have gone and got the story. Yeah. Also, uh, uh, it, a good story to pull out there because that's from the previous edition. Yeah. And obviously, since then, the budget's come out and it has yeah. been catastrophic for local, local yeah, people. Yeah. I mean, it's a Tory government, so I yeah, yeah. fair guess that that was yeah, likely yeah. to be the outcome. But it's, it's been exactly what they predicted in, yeah. in that article. Although, I should point out that's more looking at the council's budget rather than oh. the, the, the chancellor's. Um, both which cases. was equally yeah, both it's a vulnerable hard and, and, and whatever else uh, but, but you know that came from Kay sitting down and going and Zoe both sitting down with a big you know 100 page budget document from the council and going through Working and seeing you know how is this going to affect people uh, beyond the spin of a press release that comes out from the council press office saying we've frozen council tax and we've done this actually £3 million is being cut from you know, vulnerable people or, or elderly people's services. Yeah, it's no good cutting council or you know freezing council tax if you're cutting you know, yeah. your expenditure. Yeah, it's not exactly. A real saving, is it? So we're we're kind of pr- quite proud that we're able to do that, I suppose, when when others can't. And well, looking at the the, the team's credentials on the site, it does seem like there is a, a journalism background to, yeah. to more people. Whereas, as I say, with a lot of similar organisations, yeah, it seems to be. Very well intentioned yeah. and motivated local yeah. people yeah, who yeah. don't have a journalism background. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I don't think it's necessarily going to have the same sort of. Yeah, and it's hard, and it, and it is tricky because 
I kind of, like Zoe and I both come from, like you sort of pointed out, backgrounds in journalism and, and current affairs and stuff. And I found that really important. Um, and it's something we kind of uphold in that idea of writing a balanced story and the structure. But I don't think that should ever... The brilliant thing about the explosion of what is called hyperlocal kind of news websites and papers now is that, I mean, th- th- there is a role for the kind of stuff we do, but actually just there is also a role for someone who might not have any journalism training covering a council meeting and going down. Um, you know, I don't know what journalism, for example, and, and this is nothing new, so if you look at um, James Hatz down at se1.com, he's been doing it for like, has I think has a journalism background, but it's been doing, you know, they've been doing it for 10, 10 years, is it? Right, um, really. And amazing. So people are going, oh, it's brilliant. So people say to us, uh, you know, you're part of this really exciting brand new hyperlocal news publishing thing. And so I go and, go and see James Hatz and his dad who have been doing like an amazing service for people living in SE1 for yeah, 10 years. SE1.com is phenomenal. It's amazing. It's like uh, remarkable. It, the amount of people. Yeah. It just comes and, up so often. And his often traffic is, 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 is really high. And that's because it's, it's, you know, it's content. It's good content and proper news and the stuff people want to read that's relevant to them. He, that was a bit of an inspiration to us. And we sat, sat down and looked at all the different things that were going on. And we tried to speak to as many as possible as well. So we sat down with James. People were very generous with their time. So we sat down with James Hatt. Sat down with Jason Cobb, um, who I heard mentioned uh, a few yeah, weeks ago. Yeah, he's on the mentioned. Podcast. Well, yeah, yeah, on the Spontine episode. This is yeah. what we, we talked about on, on that particular episode. How yeah. there is links and connections and influences. Yeah, yeah. And there is this odd sort of, almost sort of flow of continuity between... Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people doing very different things in very different ways, yeah. but with very similar sort yeah, of yeah. intentions and ideas behind it. It feels like. Yeah. But uh, uh, Jason wrote an article uh, about that that episode the other day and sort of said, you know, it's, it pointed out the fact that it's just pure coincidence. There's not a, yeah. We're not all sitting down and concerting no. our efforts to focus on things, yeah. but there do seem to be just correspondences between the work that everyone's doing. Yeah, and I always sort of check out the sort of South East London ones as well and, and sort of admire what they're doing in terms of holding Greenwich to account and various other councils and you just think actually I mean I personally think that's something that local newspapers used to do but don't do anymore because they can't because not necessarily because they've got bad journalists but because they just don't have the resources they don't have the reporters covering it Um, yeah you pick up like you know say the Southern News I'm not having a go but you pick it up and it's just incredible the amount of it's just like three names like every single story is like You know, and like I've in my job, I've had to sort of submit stories to local newspapers before that are not in any way news, but yeah, yeah. I've been forced to by yeah, my, yeah. You know, my boss. And you know, you're sending it to this person who's also writing these other yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. major stories. So yeah, like you say, it's stretched thin. Do you need to get that? No, it's right. It's, in, it's actually in the other office. They <laughs> lock their door, and sometimes the phone will just ring at me, ring. So hopefully that's not the case. But I can always shut that door. No, that's no problem. Really. Um, it's fine. It just makes it sound like press gang or something, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, it makes it sound like a busy office. I like that. We'll keep that in. Not, not all the president's men. He's gone for a press reference and he's gone press gang. It's all I know. We need someone to come in a minute. Where's my front page? Yeah. yeah. Stop the press. Much less. You'll need to say that, I think. Yeah, yeah. I, I came across a, a local newspaper, hyper local newspaper recently, and I won't name it because I don't want to be mean. Yeah. Um, but it was like the polar opposite, where it just felt like a vanity project. Yeah. There was no journalism in it, um, although there were things that sort of were yeah. meant to be stories. And, you know, there was so, sort of an ethnic story crowbarred in, because, like, oh, we'd better put a double page on, on Weaves. Yeah. 
Yeah. You know, whereas if you're actually covering the local area, you'll, yeah. you'll cover everybody that lives there naturally because yeah. those are the issues that arise. Yeah, and I think that's the difference between what we do and what other recent people, additions to South London, might do. And that is just, it's really important to us to cover the news. And when we first launched the paper, so we're coming up to the 20th edition of the Bricks and Bugle, so that's 20 months. Um, when we first launched it, had a mixed reaction and it's always you know when you put so much time and effort and blood sweat and tears into something you're kind of quite sensitive about how it's received as well I think especially when you know you're as vain as I am <laughs> but um, people came back and this is sort of probably a, a sign of what Brixton is now but people came back to us and a lot of people came back and said like, why why is it so clunky and old fashioned and you, why have you modelled it on a local newspaper and you know what you could be really exciting and design led and edgy and had yeah. coffee, you know two Incoherent. or three different people <laughs> got in touch who were like designers or subs right. and said you know I can help you make this look really sexy and like really modern and it just looks really old fashioned and, and we both Zoe and I both said to everyone it's exactly what we want yeah we, the, the design of this it, I mean a it's shonky because we taught ourselves how to design a newspaper and how to use InDesign but actually we want it to be as accessible as possible yeah. And I think to the community, and that's always, uh, we can have a long discussion what the community is, yeah, yeah, but yeah. to everyone that lives in the Brixton area, what you know, whoever they are, whatever background they're from, um, and that might be people who feel intimidated by something that's quite design-led, or you know, you look at what's, looking in, what's happening in Granville Arcade slash Brixton Village which I think is our official style of writing in the paper <laughs> Granville Arcade <laughs> slash Brixton yeah. Village not accepting it or, or, or also known as Brixton Village but um, you know you feel we've heard from people who say they kind of feel it's not for them anymore but they might have used to have gone there to, to buy their fish mm. or whatever or their veg or anything else and actually they're like no you know it's full of young trendy people now I don't you know I don't, it's not my place I go to I go to you know, South Norway or wherever. Mm. Well, any sort of design thing, there's always a balance to be struck between yeah. clarity and dynamism, isn't it? And yeah. I think it depends. It's very that's very much going to be driven by what you're trying to do. Yeah. And if you are doing something that's lifestyle-led and trying to appeal to a very certain mm. and let's be uh, mm. unashamed of saying that a certain class of people, yeah, then you go for the dynamism. You go yeah. for you know this yeah. very exciting thing. If you are looking to impart information, you are yeah. looking to be a news resource. Go for clarity. Yeah, yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's, it's quite place, telling. It? It's not a magazine. Yeah, and that's exactly. the thing. It's, you know, you have people that are essentially doing lifestyle magazines, mm -hmm. but pretending they're newspapers. Yeah, and it's very sort of not dangerous, but yeah. it's, it's disingenuous. I think to sort of do that. It seems odd to go from doing a blog to a newspaper. Yeah, in the sense that a lot of local newspapers have gone the other way. Yeah, and setting up websites yeah. and trying to get. Advertising yeah. revenue from there. Yeah. You know, it's the popular view is that print is dying yeah. and the internet's the future. So yeah. for you to start on the internet and move into print, yeah, and yeah. say from to, to outside the scenes, I, mean, I work in a comic shop. Yeah. And and you write for a free newspaper as well. So I do. So yeah. Into... yeah. And uh, I think there is a thing of, and the, the, the free newspaper I for doesn't have any sort of website at all. Yeah. They're, they're, yeah. they're purely about it being in print. And I, I do think. Uh, there is a thing of the idea of print dying is something yeah. that's been talked about for a long time and radio yeah. is going to kill it and television yeah. is going to kill it and film is going to kill yeah. it but I think there is there's something you mentioned earlier there's a love for print isn't there yeah there really is um, I think I'll probably preface that by saying I think print is dying 
<laughs> I think in whether it's in it won't be next year it won't be in five years but whether it's 10 years down the line or 50 years down the line I just can't imagine people interacting with their news mm. consuming their news we've got to imagine something like print. the Daily Star or yeah. the uh, yeah. sport things like that but, how are they still going not that that's, this is like that but you know what I mean there's got to be elements of it that have yeah. got to be cut off yeah. but let's hope so but <laughs> but at the same time, there is something exactly. You, you sort of probably have the same feeling as me. There is something really important about print. There's something yeah. quite not romantic about it. But no, I think it is, I think it is romantic and, as well. But I think and sitting down and reading it and getting ink on your hands and, yeah. and everything else. Um, that that's why I always, from when I got involved with the Brixton blog and we relaunched Brixton blog, I always down the line wanted to. Um, do a newspaper from it because um, I just thought it was deserving of that and also you know it, it's a way of reaching other audiences who still yes it might be going the way where everyone is online and accesses stuff digitally but there's still a huge amount of people mm. especially in Brixton um, and Lambeth who just don't have access to the internet they might you know maybe, maybe can't afford Wi-Fi at home or they're older and they you know they're used to interacting with 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 real stuff you know, yeah. physical stuff so that was always the aim um, people people probably don't want to read I get sick of reading stuff on the computer sometimes you yeah, want to yeah, just sit down yeah. and yeah, I, I, read a newspaper it hurts, hurts my eyes I can't everyone yeah. we get about 40% of our traffic comes from mobile phones and tablets but I mean I can't I can't read news mm. articles on my phone I find it too it does my head in um, but that is the where a lot of our traffic comes from um, so it's interesting then that we found that so that was wanted to for that reason but actually, we were going around trying to. We got to a stage, and we thought, right, we want to make this self-sustaining, basically through advertising and, and you know that sort of thing to pay us some of our time. And we we're going to advertise locally, and we we're like, do you want to advertise on our website? We've got you know this many thousand hits. It's great. And they were like, no, not really. But you know, I advertise with South London Press, you know, so I'd probably think about print advertising. From that, we looked at it, looked out, found, got some quotes for, for for printing the actual paper. Found it wasn't as much as we thought. Um, and went with that and went down the print route, um, which was really exciting. But actually now, ironically, we do it. I mean, yes, it's great fun and love doing it, but we do it because the, the advertising we sell in the paper supports the website. Because just because people are still more happy to it's advertise in, in print. Really, it's incredible. Yeah, it really is incredible. And I can't imagine that happening forever. No. But um, so we're kind of looking at, at ways, different ways we do things di- digitally in terms of kind of advertising. But, yeah, it supports the whole thing. And it's great fun. So I'm delighted because it means... <laughs> I say it supports the whole thing. Helps. It helps. <laughs> yeah, none of us Where do gonna... you get it printed? Is that done locally? So it's printed now. It's printed in Cambridge. Right. By a company called Island Print. But it's been around all over the place. It was printed in, in Norfolk by a company called Archer. And it's been printed up in Cumbria. Um, because they were the kind of cheapest ones at the time. I felt really guilty about all the fumes of bringing 10,000 papers down from Cumbria. But now we're not we're north uh, we're Cambridge, so I feel less guilty about that. Close. And it turns and it goes off on a Wednesday morning at ten AM we send the pages and it comes back about one in the afternoon, two in the afternoon. Wow. Wow. That's so it's, it's printed straight away and then goes straight into a into a van, um, I think with a load of evening standards or something, and then comes down <laughs> here and, and, and arrives at the door and then we stack it up the staircase. And how many did you get? So we do ten thousand at the moment. And we'd really like to do more. Like we'd, we'd normally get rid of 10,000 fairly quickly. Uh, there's the demand to do more, but it's that extra cost. Yeah. That yeah. Well, can't really justify the, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, I've frequently been to Brixton Library and it's 
it's all gone. Yeah, yeah, it does go quickly. We get through. We have a distribution bin in Tesco on Acre Lane. Um, so you know, love or hate Tesco, it's where a lot of people go. And um, we get through. I think sometimes a thousand in a couple of days through there. Just we'll just go, and I'll yeah. go, and I'll I'll fill it up to the brim, and think, oh, that's brilliant. That'll be done for like two weeks, and I will sort mm. of wander past two days later, look in the window, and it's and it's empty. Do you do um, handouts outside the station? Or you yeah, do? so we yeah. do. We still tradition dictates. Yeah, on the the last five of the month, we get up about six thirty and go and stand outside Bricks and Tube, and give out. We give out about three or four thousand copies to to people. Four thousand? No, it's not four. Three thousand. Um, I do my sort of uh, Victorian sort of. Paperboy, extra, 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 extra. Get your bricks and doodle, um, but it's fun and it's a nice way people can come up to us and chat and and uh, it's engaging. It well, is, it? and yeah. people and it actually makes it worthwhile because people sometimes come up to you and go, "Why haven't you covered this?" Or they come and go, <laughs> and actually, what makes it really worthwhile from my point of view, and and I think probably for Zoe as well, is that we put in so much time. Whatever you know, most people involved in it give their time for free to do it for the love of it. Um, and we give a heck of a lot of time and when someone comes up to you and goes do you know what I really like this and it really makes a difference keep doing it and actually that I don't know without being too cheesy that makes it worth oh yeah that's the same with the podcast like there's times where I think oh jack this in (laughs) but like you meet someone they're like I really like you know your podcast particularly uh, Steve (laughs) (laughs) but no no it really does doesn't it but you find people people or you'll be talking to someone about your podcast and they'll be like who you wouldn't think might have heard it, and they'll yeah. be like, "South on the Hardcore." Yeah, I love that stuff. I can't, I don't miss a I week. Know, yeah, I know. And, it, and incredible. it does. It can be a bit like, "Wow," and you get it's that such kind of energy. Yeah, you get that yeah. just get like random it. emails, like the uh, guy George who emailed mm. us late last week, and he was like, uh, "I'm a gardener, and uh, just helps me get through the day, just Amazing. listening to the show." And you're like, "That does make it worthwhile." Yeah, is yeah, the yeah. fact that you're you you are you know you're making people happy. It's great. Yeah, yeah. Grand. Entertaining while saving lives. <laughs> <laughs> so by the time you're listening to this, uh, the latest Brooks and Bugle will be out. Issue 20. Issue 20, yeah. And I what? can't believe it's issue 20. I was going to say, it's an anniversary issue. Are you can like, double-size <laughs> or whatever. Right? No, I don't think we're going to do a limited edition front page, I'm afraid. What could people look forward to in this uh, April edition? Uh, well, I'm not going to give away the front page story. Because it's not written yet, and we haven't got a clue what's going on. It uh, we, uh, we leave that to the last minute. That'll be written about two in the morning, uh, the day before deadline. Because um, that's the thing; you have to just wait until the last possible minute. Because well, we do. Yeah, we don't need to leave it as long as we as late as we. <laughs> yeah. um, I'm this is exciting. Listeners won't be able to see, obviously, but we've okay. got the uh, plan for the paper up on the screen. Okay, about which the front page and a lot of the news pages are, are pretty empty. Uh, we're going to push tomorrow. I'm getting on the phone to Chukramuna, uh MP for Streatham, if you didn't know, uh, and push him to make to come down one way or the other about this Trinity Academy, which is a Catholic ethos free school, which is going to be go on to the the Lambeth College site in Brixton. It's been really controversial because the government have just sort of come along and said, right, well, we're going to fund the, this uh, free school with a Catholic ethos. Uh, it's obviously a lot of people. Look, look, Brixton's well known for its activism, as you all know, and its and its union <laughs> trade unionism. And so a lot of people sort of said, actually, hang on, we need college places. We, yeah. And 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 you know, we we know that we don't necessarily need secondary school places at the moment. We're desperate for primary school places, uh, and college places and adult learning. So why quite why the government has come along and funded this? 
That one's quite short. So we're going to try and get Chikramuna to, to talk about that. Um, so is it in his constituency then? Yeah, so yeah, Chuka Ch- covers, because his constituency is called Streatham, but it covers Brixton Hill. Right, okay. Um, he home, brought, he brought, he brought Will Smith to uh, Brixton, didn't he? Yeah, time, nice yeah. little PR coup for him. And, <laughs> yeah. and, and brought, brought Tessa Jowell on. It's quite funny because uh, Chukamuna can kind of get away with being a bit street because he's from sort of South London mm-hmm. and stuff. But Tessa Jowell just looked a bit out of place in the background. Um, <laughs> She's more of a Carlton figure, isn't she? <laughs> she yeah, she didn't, didn't catch <laughs> the 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 on. <laughs> So it was a nice political kick. But yeah, so he covers up there. Um, yeah, sort of the Brixton Hill, bit of Tulse Hill. We, we, it makes our job a bit hard because Brixton's right in the middle of three constituencies. I'm going to say Tessa Jowell's Dulwich, isn't she? Yeah, Tessa Jowell's Dulwich, but actually covers all the way up to right, kind of Hill and... Brixton Road. Yeah. Um, and Kate Hurry kind of covers Stockwell and, and up. She gave me a prize academy. once at school. Kate Hurry? Yeah, maths prize. About, uh, 100%? No, I think it was uh, my year 10 maths attainment prize. That's good. Yeah, that's quite exciting. Did she do all the prizes? Uh, she did it all that year. Jeff Probin gave it one year. Those were the only two celebrities we had. Jeff Probin was a uh, rugby player, England rugby player. But the most okay. important thing we take from his story is Jack is a serial prize winner. <laughs> yeah, that's, exactly. that's the point he's trying to make. Do, exactly. you, do you still have the prizes and a picture of you? With uh, one of them has got like the a math textbook. Can you believe that? That's <laughs> that the last you need. I think he's both times. It was like some sort of interesting... The other one was like some kind of maths, popular maths book, which I definitely don't have anymore. I think I've ripped out the. the uh, I've got the prize given booklet. Do you get a little uh, like flap thing saying you have won the prize second maths? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Signed by Jeff Probin. Not that I. No, all I've got from Jeff Probin is the memory of a handshake. If you stuck a, a maths textbook on eBay signed by Jeff Probin, what would it go for? The old, isn't it? Sort of like probably less than the face value. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's another news story. So I digress with politics, but. Um, it's kind of quite important to what we do, I guess, yeah. in politics. And we've got the local elections covering up, coming up. So we're going to start to look at that in this issue. Um, it's already kind of a bit of moving. I mean, can't see Labour getting knocked out. But that's that will come. In an interview, I interviewed the new borough commander who's come over from Greenwich. Because they, they moved the police, yeah, they moved police the borough commander. Year. They oh, moved... Um, it's actually in the last edition. Yeah. They uh, gave... Uh, Matt Bell, borough commander, he's marching orders and sent him to some traffic division. So we've now got Richard Wood. So I've got an, an interview with him. Going Isn't traffic there. usually a punitive thing for police officers? Well, I don't know. <laughs> uh, but quite probably, quite yeah. possibly. I don't he's know. He's directing traffic. Um, and he made it quite clear that, I mean, Matt Bell made it quite clear that he didn't really want to leave. Right. So without getting himself in too much trouble in the interview. Um, but but he, did, he didn't want to leave, Bernard. Um, uh, <laughs> So, yeah, that's that. Um, and then the usual stuff features. My favourite, pretty much my favourite part of the newspaper I've just kind of put together. I need some pictures, but we're doing a feature on residents of Cressingham Gardens, oh, yeah, which that? is an estate uh, that backs onto Brockwell Park. And it's oh, this okay. beautiful, sort of built in the 1950s, and there's sort of listed somehow, unconventionally listed for its 1950s architecture. And it's a council, Lambeth council estate. And it's got these amazing views over Brockwell Park and beyond. And it's under threat at the moment of being sold by Lambeth or rebuilt, knocked down and rebuilt, which is a real shame because it's beautiful and it's got loads of green space, exactly what social housing should be. Yeah. So and our, it's social housing that exists, which is... Uh, it's not social they're housing that exists. They're knocking down and place it with affordable housing, which yeah. is like social housing, but not affordable. Yeah. So, yeah, Keith's done these really, and I really implore you, if you do nothing else listening at home, go and log on and, and look at Keith's 
series of features with residents from from um, Crescent Gardens because he's gone in. I'll implore them to look at all of it. Please do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry, I'm not. I'm, I don't normally. I'm not normally trying to sell it. So he. Pictures aren't in, so I'm showing the, the, the guys here the page, but the pictures aren't in, so this loses some of it. We've got these beautiful pictures. Oh, it gives us something to look forward to, doesn't it? This yeah, guy, exactly. um, Sean. So this time he's spoken to Sean about his three eccentric goldfish, uh, a staffy <laughs> with one eye, um, and he's talked about kind of growing up in Brixton and on the estate, I think. And uh, at, at some point, he, his family owned like three monkeys, two alligators <laughs> that lived in the bath and stuff. And it's just really touching. Keith Lewis wrote this, who's our features editor. Right. And it's just really just kind of gets gets under the you know gets under the skin of the person and brings right. that across those little things. And it and and sort of, I suppose our editorial point is that these are the kind of people that are going to get kicked out. Yeah, he's talking about people. Yeah. Basically, he's not talking about yeah. uh, costs or yeah. investment or plans or blueprints. Yeah. He's talking about people. Yeah. And when they're talking about knocking down these places yeah. and moving people, these are the people who are moving out, people who have lived here for years and are quite happy where they are. Yeah. But, so, you know, richer people want views of a park, so yeah. let's accommodate that. Well, quite, yeah, exactly. Although, what's the point? You know, the council is there, one of their functions, I think, is to provide social housing. So yeah, if they're making money from selling yeah. this off, what's the money? Is it you know going on deficit? They still well, have the cleared spot from last year, was it? Yeah, there was Rushcroft Road. So our office, we can see some of the out of the back window here. You can see the squats that were cleared in Rushcroft Road last yeah. July. Um, in fairness to the council, they're keeping three of the six blocks, refurbishing as social housing, but the rest is, has been sold off. They've made uh, they've made something like a hundred million pounds from selling off former short life. Housing and 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 some squats in the last year, I think. Yeah. And the worst thing about it is, as I understand it, um, most of that money that money isn't being ring fenced to social provide housing. new no. social housing because they say they can't. So I don't well, know they, where they froze the council tax. So that's good. Yes, mm-hmm. the ta- council tax is frozen for the for the umpteenth year. Yeah. So because they're selling off social housing left, right, and centre. So. Yeah. And that's something, and it's an example. Um, that uh, the Cressingham Gardens feature is something that works really well in in print because I think it just it comes across so nicely and actually most of the people we've interviewed on our fourth have been quite old and actually really sad news the, the second person we interviewed that was in a couple of months ago we found out last week that she sadly died so she passed away so we're going to have a kind of little um, in memory of her as well on the same page but those people wouldn't have had access, wouldn't have had a clue how to look at it on the internet. No. Mm. So it's we can take this to them. The permanence of a newspaper, people who are featured in it, who, that Crescent Gardens I yeah. was a great example, you know, if they don't keep the whole paper, they clip out that page. Yeah. And they've got that. They've got this thing that, you know, they can just keep and look at and show their friends yeah. where, you know, I've seen the paper. It's yeah. great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. And that's it. And that is also the thinking behind without boring everyone with this paper because you could probably go out and get it and not have to hear my voice. The Hillmead Herald is brand new this month um, and it is Hillmead Primary School's very own page. Right. So they were, I was talking to their teacher and their head, headmaster who's, who's quite a um, dynamic head teacher um, and we came up with this idea that they could... Um, they'd had one kid from years three, four, five and six write a report or a story to put in so we've got four reports there and I actually went in to help them write it and help them kind of sub-edit it and cut words out and I was totally amazed by the kind of quality of what they um, what they came up with like really really amazing so uh, and again you know uh, 
eight-year-olds can very easily, you know, schools have access to, you know, intranet and internet. Yeah. So they can do websites. And, but yeah. for that kid to see the name imprint yeah, in a totally. newspaper yeah, is yeah. a completely different experience. Something special. It's such an inspirational thing for them at that age yeah. to, to yeah, yeah. know that it's something they can do. And then they'll take that home. You know, if your yeah. kid's, in, your kid's in, a, in a newspaper, you're going to take it home and show and the lots, great thing lots of people. Is, uh, and hopefully you know, it means Brixton Bugle will be... Name well, well, also, my mum and dad would want 20 copies, wouldn't they? Yeah. Because there's like one for all the aunties and yeah. the grandparents and whatnot. Which is really great, which is cool. Uh, so, it be the usual arts and culture, which actually isn't quite finished. Is the Tim Bird comic strip in yet? Tim Bird's comic strip, The Ephra Tales, he hasn't filed it yet, but it will be coming coming tomorrow. And we're very you need to crack the whip, he's a, he's a lazy <laughs> uh, t- Tim, I, absolutely enough respect for Tim because he contacted us. Near the beginning of the newspaper, just very, I hadn't sort of spoken to him before, just very sort of politely said, oh, I'll do a bit of, bit of sort of illustration and car- <laughs> cartoon comics. I don't know if you're interested in something for the paper. Uh, so, oh, yeah, OK. Check it out and sort of saw it, saw his website and it's like, this is brilliant. Yes. <laughs> Get straight back to him and go, yes, please, please do. And, and every month he's done something. Did he develop um, the concept or was it something you worked on with him? or was it, it, was, it was actually purely him. He came up with the idea. Right. He really got, so people have... He just wanted to do something, and, it, and they're very Brixton-centric. And I yeah, think it's just the moments, reasons, isn't it? Brixton moments, yeah, and they're great. One of the reasons they're quite, I find them quite so funny and amusing is because they're Brixton. It's a bit of an in-joke about Brixton a lot of the time. Uh, so about the market. Or, yeah, the Foxtons was one, wasn't Yeah, it? and it's really? a nice look. Um, I'm quite glad that we haven't spent the whole podcast talking about gentrification, but it's quite a nice <laughs> sort of interesting, it's like a wry look at, at gentrification mm-hmm. stuff around, like around the Foxtons and all that sort of thing. And that's the thing, there's a, you know... A, a, a fine and proud tradition of newspaper cartoonists. Yeah, you know, having that role as yeah, yeah. satirists and observations. Yeah, yeah. yeah, absolutely. You can get Tim Bird's new book, Infrastructure, from the Avery Hill Publishing website. Uh, and in terms of sport, do you get much out of uh... Top Cats? Isn't it? Top Cats. Yeah, we've got a fairly new sports editor, and what we're really trying to do at the moment in the paper. And in the website, we're not that good at sport. I want it to be like a traditional paper with lots of sports reports. We just haven't been very lucky because the whole model kind of depends on people sending stuff on time for the love of it and, you know, without sadly being paid, although we'd love for everyone to get paid eventually. Um, it's been hard to, ca- to get sports. Right. We do, the Top Cats send us their match reports. What are, who are the Top Cats? The Brixton Top Cats Possibly. are a very oh, successful basketball team based in Brixton Rec. Um, that has been kind of quite inspirational, and and Zoe, my co-editor, is quite good friends with Jimmy Rogers, who's this kind of legend in the basketball world, who is the um, who's the main coach. Well, Lau Deng paid for him, didn't he? Before uh, yeah, so Lau Deng started yeah. off there, and he's just starting. He's just opening a, a new basketball academy actually yeah. uh, in the summer, which is exciting. Um, and I think various other NBA superstars that I would never have heard of all started off there, um, and actually a lot. Of people in Brixton whatever age they are came through the wreck if yeah. they grew up in Brixton they came through the wreck they, they they had some interaction with the Top Cats so Jimmy is a bit of a sort of Local living legend. legend amongst them yeah. and they're all like oh, Jimmy um, and he's he's fantastic if you ever meet Jimmy Rogers you, you don't forget it <laughs> he's sort of six foot something Jamaican guy really deep voice really kind of smiling laughing he's just um yeah, one of those local characters we try and celebrate, you know, and, <laughs> and, and, and you won't see him in The Guardian or The Times. No, exactly. But yeah. it's so important. And, and in Brixton, and I, something I feel we don't necessarily do enough, is really capture those, those characters. Because I feel like if we don't, no one else necessarily really is. 
to people like Jimmy or, you know, without being cheesy, those kind of unsung heroes that bring it all together. And I think you think how many kids that have gone to Top Cats training who might have otherwise been on the streets up to mischief and causing trouble, probably hundreds. And the same with football club, you know, Stephen Scott, who runs a Fiwi football club, has done a similar thing um, and, and various other stuff. So that's something I'd like the, the Bugle probably to do a bit more of. But you're not really blessed with too many sports teams. That's the other thing as well. Yeah, it? in terms that's of sport, the, the drawback of we, doing it um, quite hyper local. Mr. Robert Vaughan, who might be well known to yes. various to various people in South London, he start, he at one point he started doing Dulwich Hamlet reports. Well, he does them for, for Urban seventy five, doesn't he? And then he, he yeah, writes right. up in Urban seventy five. And I know Mike from Urban seventy five. Yeah, seems, does, he does, does kind of picture reports. Well. Yeah. On the mm-hmm. website, yeah, there's a lot of coverage on Urban Seventy Five of Dulwich Hamlet yeah. now. Yeah. I think because there's a lot of fans, either new or, or yeah, long-term right. fans, from and it is obviously the closest community. football team. And it is, yeah. yeah. So if we had someone to write our reports from, from there, we'd love to do it. Um, do you think you wouldn't feel like you're straying out of your I was going to say it's not on your map. Well, no. Well, we, we <laughs> yeah. So we've got we've got a map in our office which uh, sort of defines our quite strict bricks and boundaries, um, but we're slightly flexible. It's things like sport. It's hard, and, and like the thing is, it's the nearest football team. So I'm trying to think of an example. When I worked on the Ilford Recorder, the main football team, I think, was West Ham. Right, right. Uh, I might have got that wrong, so... Yeah, we'll get loads of... No, it makes sense. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And so that was the main report, you know. Um, it's probably the same. I'm trying to think it's the only paper down here is the Southern Press, so it covers... Yeah, the, I mean, the Southern News, they cover the, the two Southern teams, to yeah. be fair. Yeah, yeah. So if if we yeah there's it's also the fact that Dulwich are a, sort of a bit of a phenomenon at the moment in terms yeah. of their success and yeah 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 there's a real sort of buzz yeah it's it, exciting so. I yeah, think yeah. I've seen um, their sort of following is is got quite big hasn't yeah it? the yeah. the the, um, the attendances are, are well up last yeah. last two or three years like higher than they were yeah, a decade yeah. ago certainly. So yeah, so anyone who's listening who fancies writing a sports report, uh, <laughs> drop a line, <laughs> drop us a line through the website because we'd love to. Uh, yeah, we'd love to have you. You can get the April edition of the Brixton Bugle, uh, issue 20. Where will people get that from? So you can get it, unfortunately you've missed us outside Brixton Tube at this point, but you can get it from uh, distribution bins in Tesco at the moment. Uh, Brixton Library, Brixton Town Hall, Lambeth Town Hall, um, Iceland in Brixton Road, and then pretty much any pubs, cafes, restaurants. Um, and one place... If you're listening, because they do run out everywhere else, but because it's below our office, if you ever really want a copy of the Bugle, any time of the month, go and see Patrick in the Bookmongers on eight on Cold Harbour Lane. He will have a copy for you and a smile, and you can give Rosa the dog a little stroke, unless you're scared of dogs. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who that's aimed at. Really. <laughs>